Hey there, Laura here. The team at Hope Made Strong have been busy creating a downloadable resource called Mental Health Sunday. So that means we have been jumping back to share a few of the most viewed sessions from the Church Mental Health Summit. I am so excited about this Mental Health Sunday resource. It includes everything your church would need to host an invitational Sunday experience on mental health and faith. Hope Made Strong, along with mission-minded partners, created digital resources that include research notes, sermon ideas, video, social, and marketing assets, and a seven-day devotional. Plus, there are community invitations, congregate giveaways, and editable digital files. If you're interested in downloading this free resource, go to mentalhealthsunday.com. That's really important, that last part about our own judgments, because this is where God can, you know, God's word can come in, God's presence, that we know he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, that we often forget that God is even now, as I'm talking on this video, as you're listening, he's in working in us. He's, our bodies are a temple. So therefore, Christian mindfulness really helps draw our bodies to a place where we can hear from him, we can listen to him, we can make mental space for him to move and work. From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. On the show today is a flashback to one of the top viewed sessions in the Church Mental Health Summit with Regina Chow Tremel. Regina is an associate professor at Azusa Pacific University and is author to the book, A Counselor's Guide to Christian Mindfulness, Engaging the Mind, Body, and Soul. She is a well-known speaker having a popular TEDx appearance and has been featured both at the 2020 and last year, 2021's Church Mental Health Summit. Mindfulness kind of received a bad reputation in Christian circles, despite scriptures that like Psalms 1 that speak directly to the benefits of meditation. And while the term mindfulness was made popular by Buddhist researcher John Kabat-Zinn, the, the behavior or actions of mindfulness that he describes are not Buddhist or secular in nature. The results, the positive results of meditation are found all throughout the Bible. I want to take a minute here and distinguish the, the difference between mindfulness and meditation, because while closely linked, they are not the same thing. As you will hear from Regina, Christian mindfulness is making mental space on purpose to turn your whole attention to God so that we can hear and abide in His voice in our lives instead of our own judgments. Having mindfulness is intentionally focusing on God so that his voice is louder than our judgments. And mindfulness is produced through the practice of meditation. Or to say it differently, meditation is the habit and mindfulness is the skill developed. As Christ followers, our resilience is strengthened when we're able to develop the habit of mindfulness by slowing our thoughts and intentionally focusing on God. This builds our ability to hear from Christ and abide in Him throughout our day. 
Christians are not immune to life struggles. I think we all know that by now. But having the habit of meditation and building the skill of mindfulness allows us to more readily hear from God rather than be distracted by our thoughts. The skill of mindfulness develops your awareness so that you're not overcome by these thoughts. Whether it's stress, anger, depression, or anxiety, these are all felt in, yes, the mind, but also in the body through indigestion, headaches, sleeplessness, or even chronic pain. But it's also felt in the spirit, that feeling far from God. Meditation and mindfulness tend to all three of these areas, the mind, the body, and the spirit. And Regina will speak more about this in her talk. Based on the Christian definition, mindfulness is walking out what 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says and taking every thought captive. Meditation develops the skill of gaining control over what you think about yourself and your life and submitting it to God, and it nurtures your spirit by developing a more intimate connection with God. Developing the habit or the discipline of meditation and developing the skill of mindfulness strengthens you so that when you face challenges or difficult times, you have the ability to control your thoughts so they don't hijack you. You have a quick connection with God and you're able to check in with him and abide in him. When first practicing meditation, it could feel uncomfortable or maybe for some even a little ridiculous. Life is flying by at a mile a minute. So sitting silent and sitting in a chair or on the floor, silent and still with legs crossed seems unrealistic and perhaps even anxiety provoking. But building these intentional routines into your day doesn't have to be complicated. And it certainly doesn't have to look like the images that come to mind when you think of meditation or mindfulness. In fact, I bet most of you already have moments of mindfulness in your day. What do you often do when you sit down to eat? Well, you pray. The act of praying before eating is an intentional pause, directing our thoughts to God to acknowledge our thanks to him for his faithfulness and for his provision. I encourage you to think about practical and simple ways that you can take a moment and focus and redirect your thoughts on God throughout your day. It could be on your commute or while your computer turns on or sitting in the car before you walk into work or even sitting in your car before you walk into your home. <laughs> These are simple in the moment suggestions that help you center your thoughts and intentions on God. Now, this talk was originally aired in 2020 at the Church Mental Health Summit, but it couldn't be more relevant today. So many people are having their lives washed away by their thoughts. In Regina's presentation, she not only destigmatizes mindfulness, but she will teach you how to incorporate Christian mindfulness into your support work in your church community. Well, hello, Church and Mental Health Summit. Um, I'm delighted to join you today. My name is Regina Chow Trammell, and I'm an associate professor of social work. I have a PhD in social work, and I have a license in clinical social work and reside in Southern California. And I would just love to share today a little bit about Christian mindfulness for depression and anxiety. You can follow along with me on the slides and um, the PDF form that I have attached to this presentation. I hope you'll find these resources useful in this talk, um, short and sweet, at least giving you an introduction of how Christian mindfulness can help your congregation, particularly for congregants who are dealing with depression and anxiety. Um, and first, I just want to thank you for your work. I think um, this summit is amazing because it brings together uh, churches and mental health. As you know, churches are the first stop for many people who are suffering from these mental health issues. And so I hope to equip you today with this talk. 
Um, so to get started, I just wanted to um, let you know that there you can also find more about Christian mindfulness. If even if you follow my Instagram, I also have a, a TEDx talk on mindfulness in general, where I share a little bit more on research. So feel free to um, find some more resources. And of course, I'll be having a book published soon in the which should come out in fall of 2021 more on Christian mindfulness, particularly for uh, pastoral counselors, therapists, um, Christians who really want to kind of use these contemplative and spiritual practices and infuse that in therapy. So first, how do we define mindfulness? Um, the term itself comes from secular or Buddhist roots. So particularly, there's a researcher named John Kabat-Zinn who is who resides in Massachusetts and came up with kind of this secularized version of a Buddhist practice. In his words, mindfulness is defined as awareness of the present moment with non-judgment. And for Christians, um, we can really look back to our contemplative Catholic and as well as just ancient spiritual practices. A lot of these practices in Christian mindfulness do the same thing, that it helps us be more aware, to be able to notice, to be able to observe our thoughts, which is such an important key piece of helping people with depression and anxiety. Because often your congregants who uh, deal with depression and anxiety have a lot of distorted thoughts. And we're going to get into that in a little bit about how we can use Christian mindfulness practically to help um, congregants, but I just want to give you that background. Um, a couple things I wanted to um, share with you as I looked off to the side, make sure I'm giving you some good research, but that Christian contemplative and spiritual direction practices are congruent with kind of the secular and Buddhist-based mindfulness that has been really well studied. You've probably heard of this term because it's so popular in even pop culture, business culture these days because it is so effective. Uh, there's a lot of clinical and research literature. There's a study by Fox and Gutierrez, Hassan Dunford in 2016, uh, NAB in 2012, and I even put out a study in 2017 about how these practices can really help decrease, especially stress, but particularly for this talk, depression and anxiety as well. Um, as Christians, this present moment orientation allows for the Holy Spirit to reveal areas of need where God can refresh and heal. And that's the power of Christian mindfulness as opposed to a secular or Buddhist mindfulness practice. So to give you an overview, the important thing to remember when we think about mindfulness principles and practices is that it assumes that we're kind of a whole self, that we are included with um, not just our body and our mind, but our spirit. And right, as we think about ourselves as Christians and our congregants, sometimes depression and anxiety can be an assault on the mind. They have a lot of hopeless or helpless thoughts, maybe even suicidal thoughts, because these thoughts are so destructive. Um, it could be, um, I'm worthless, or I have no hope, or God doesn't love me. It could be lots of distortions. And sometimes our our folks who deal with depression and anxiety feel this in their bodies. With depression, they can't wake up. They sleep too much. Um, maybe their shades are drawn. Um, they're just in bed, debilitated because of these um, feelings overcome by depression, overcome by hopelessness, or we see it in their eating habits. Maybe they've skipped meals because they're anxious. They can't digest food. They're feeling a lot of um, problems in their GI tract because of the symptoms of anxiety or even with depression. People sometimes eat too much or eat too little. And those are part of how the body kind of um, 
manifests some of the mental illness. So it's not just a head, it's not just a mind, right, and distortions, it's also even spiritual. Maybe they feel disconnected from God because they're so depressed and they feel hopeless, that they don't feel God is present, they can't feel him. They, since we can't touch God, it becomes really difficult. Um, maybe when they're anxious, maybe they're anxious about, um, you know, obsessive, compulsive disorders that are sexual sins or other kind of sinful nature type of thoughts um, that are intrusive, that come into their mind, that feel like an attack from Satan, maybe, and that these thoughts make them feel guilty and that they can't approach the throne of God, approach um, his holiness. So um, there's a good verse, again, just to you know reiterate how our body, mind, and spirit are connected. And so when we think about Christian mindfulness and using that for helping people with depression, anxiety, it kind of um, incorporates this holistic view of the self, body, mind, and spirit. So 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so when we honor God with our bodies, we honor God in our minds and our souls, that there's an interactive piece to that. Um, you'll see on one of the slides on the PDF that I have a nice few circles, how there's these, you know, virtuous cycle. When we address things in our thought life, then maybe our body's going to respond, right? Like as I mentioned before, if our thought is, oh, I, I'm worthless or hopeless or I'm anxious about something I can't eat, then as we eat, that is going to give us, you know, our strength and energy to have clearer thoughts. And then as we have clearer thoughts, we might be able to attack those distortions and come to God again. So just kind of a quick overview of how that might work. So let me give you an alternative definition of mindfulness from a Christian biblical point of view. So Christian mindfulness is about making space, right? Making mental space on purpose to turn our whole attention to God so that we can hear and abide in his voice in our lives instead of our own judgments. Sometimes our judgments are wrong. So let me just say it again. Christian mindfulness is about making mental space on purpose to turn our whole attention to God so that we can hear and abide in his voice in our lives instead of our own judgments. That's really important, that last part about our own judgments, because this is where God can, you know, God's word can come in. God's presence, that we know he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, that we often forget that God is even now, as I'm talking on this video, as you're listening, he's in working in us. He's, our bodies are a temple. So therefore, Christian mindfulness really helps draw our bodies to a place where we can hear from him. We can listen to him. We can make mental space for him to move and work. So how do we apply Christian mindfulness to depression and anxiety? First, I think what you need to know is that this is a very normal thing nowadays, especially if you think about our year 2020 and the pandemic and the isolation and the inability to connect with people and all the economic and suffering that's happening, that many people are depressed and anxious during their time. So it's important that we come with, and this is why you're all here, right, for Church and Mental Health, it's important we come with a 
openness, a non-judgmental way of looking at mental health. Um, our, you know, congregants don't need more judgment. They can't pull themselves out of the depression and anxiety without support, without hope, without even a supernatural uh, support. And so we need to normalize the struggle, normalize the fact that sometimes, yes, their thoughts are going to be dark. Um, their anxiety is going to be up. Um, sometimes they can't help it. So we have to normalize that struggle, that everyday struggle that so many people are facing right now. And the second thing we need to do is to offer hope and support. We have to acknowledge that depression and anxiety as mental health issues are very um, treatable with the right kind of treatment. That includes counseling and therapy with professionals. And may, you may need to make those referrals and also medication. That medication can be very calming. Again, if we think about the fact that mental health issues are also body and also mind and also spirit, then medication can at least deal with the body part or the brain part, which is an aspect of mind, right? I wouldn't say the brain is all there is to mind, um, that we, our thoughts are not just neurological synapses, that our minds as sentient created human beings also reside in the soul. However, medicine can at least lift some of and, and increase the ability for the neurological system to be in balance. The third thing I want to say is that we can develop a program of practice that incorporates Christian mindfulness as part of maybe supportive groups in the congregation or Bible studies, that some of these practices are really easy to kind of enfold as part of a prayer or devotional time, just to give people space to kind of sit still, to be still so that they can hear from God and that they can take every thought captive. And again, as I mentioned before, the fourth thing we can do in Christian mindfulness is to refer to licensed professional therapists and counselors for treatment, right? Sometimes when we as um, people who are helping lead a congregation or in your ministry, um, you need to be mindful of the fact that sometimes you might not have the time or the skills, um, but that you can pass along I'm sure there are folks around you who would um, be supportive and be able to help lift that burden from you. You don't have to feel like you have to take on that burden, but you can partner in ministry with someone. You can really help someone in your congregation by that referral as well. So um, again, when we think about Christian mindfulness, we're engaging the body by calming the nervous system. We're also doing what's called cognitive reappraisal. We're helping people improve their thoughts, their thought life and their mind. And then again, we nurture the soul. We nurture uh, people who know God, their spirit through God's presence, that they can really taste and see that the Lord is good in that time. So breath is one foundation for Christian mindfulness practice. And Job 33, 4 says, the spirit of God has made me, the breath of the almighty gives me life. The importance of breath and being able to breathe right is that it really calms our nervous system. Um, we can measure the effects of the system, um, which is activated in what's called heart rate variability. I have a study at the end of the slides um, that I've given you that just talks about how heart rate variability um, helps decrease emotional reactivity. It helps bring people a calm and dispassionate way of looking at 
kind of those anxious thoughts or those hopeless, helpless thoughts that often people who are suffering from depression and anxiety suffer from. So there are four basic steps of Christian mindfulness. The first one is to breathe deeply while noticing and observing. The second one is to observe our thoughts. The third thing is to name values. And the fourth is to rehearse um, those values, to rehearse the way we do that. So when we breathe deeply while noticing and observing is that we, we help our thoughts settle. We breathe as a foundational way to focus our thoughts towards something that is tangible and steady. We focus on our breath so that we can kind of bring our heart rate down, that we can bring the nervous system down. And that, again, creates mental space for God to work and move. When people are anxious, all their thoughts are bombarded with intrusive, um, distorted thoughts. When people are depressed, all they have are very hopeless, worthless helpless thoughts. So when we bring that nervous system down, when we trigger uh, the vagal nerve to respond, then we help bring a calming effect in people's bodies. So when we can help calm their bodies, then we can help them observe their thoughts. And those feelings give us great insight into mindfulness. Beyond um, when we get to know what we think about, we can make corrections. We can act with intention. Christian mindfulness therefore gives us the tools to be able to evaluate ourselves, right? Sometimes when people are depressed or anxious, it's very tunnel vision. They can only think of one little thing and it becomes very obsessive um, and, and repetitive. And so we, we can observe those thoughts and step, take a step back. It's like zooming out from something that's so focused so that you can see the bigger picture. And we name values. Where our Christian faith comes in is that we might be able to hang on to a value. This is where you can work with your congregant. Okay, what is this thought reflecting in terms of a value? Which is maybe you have a congregant who's depressed, who's not getting out of the bed. Okay, how does this behavior and this thought of I can't get out of bed, I won't get out of bed match with the value of I want to be a good parent or I want to be a good worker or I want to be um, part of God's work in on earth? Those that thought and those values don't match. So some of naming values is just reminding folks, hey, the, you, you are certainly capable with God's help, with support, with therapy, whatever the case may be, to live into those values. If you want to um, succeed and be generous as a value, then yes, getting up every day and trying to work, doing a little bit is going to get you there. As an example, the last thing we want to do is to rehearse. Again, this step is a wonderful opportunity to rehearse those things that are beyond us, right? So in this case, this example of uh, maybe a congregant not being able to get out of bed, well, what would it look like if you rehearse getting out of bed? Um, imagine in your mind that you're getting out of bed. How would that feel? How would you feel in a week if you came out of bed um, on time for a whole week or just two days, what would that feel? So we rehearse so we can help our congregants make a, a commitment to some of those values and align their behavior with those values. So let me guide you uh, as we end here on a short contemplation practice today. First of all, I wanna ask you who are watching, have you taken a few minutes to breathe today? Um, if not, Let's do it now. There's always time to do so. 
And so let me just kind of guide you into a breath, into kind of these uh, four steps that I just talked about. Breathe deeply while noticing, observe, name values, and rehearse, okay? So go ahead and take three deep breaths in and out with me. You could close your eyes if you want and just listen to the sound of my voice. So you're going to Breathe deep through your nose for four counts, hold it, and then exhale for four counts. Okay, so breathe, inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, and just keep breathing slowly in that kind of rhythm. Don't worry about whether you're doing it right or wrong. There's no right or wrong in terms of breath. God has given us breath. Thank God for breath for another day to breathe. And so as you breathe, just kind of notice and observe your thoughts right now. Are they attuned to what's happening now with my voice? Is your mind elsewhere? Is there something on your to-do list? If that's the case and you feel distracted, bring your thoughts back to breath. Just tell yourself something like this. I can breathe. I'm going to focus on my breath because I know breathing is good for me. And so just notice other thoughts that come and go. And I'll just be quiet for a couple more seconds while you do that. Observe now what you feel in your body. Is there tightness in your chest? Is there tightness in your shoulders? Just observe. And then if you notice any tightness, maybe uncomfort or discomfort, breathe in deeply and then exhale and allow your body. And you could say something like this, Lord, thank you for this time. I ask for your peace to come to those tight places. And breathe in deeply and exhale. And just name a value for this time. I value my time with you, Lord. I value your presence, God. My intention is to spend more time meditating on your goodness. What are those values? And then lastly, rehearse. Where are those moments where even now as I speak, God is leading you to spend time with him, to notice his presence? Is it during work? Is it when you have um, anxious thoughts? Is it when you don't know what to do? How can God be present? Rehearse that in your mind. What can you do? to be more aware of his goodness and his love, his grace and mercy for you. And just inhale that deeply and exhale. And let me close this out. And while you take three deep breaths in and out, Lord, we thank you for this time to be present, to learn about you, to learn about how our contemplative practices of breathing and being in your presence can make an impact. Lord, use us to be able to support those who are suffering from depression or anxiety in our congregations, in our communities. Lord, there's so much suffering 
God, we pray for your presence to penetrate all those anxious thoughts, all those souls that need your peace, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for this time. I hope this was at least informative. There's more information on those attachments I gave you. You can read through them. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. You can reach me at um, on Instagram at Regina underscore Chow underscore Trammel, or you can email me at rtrammel at apu.edu, rtrammel at apu.edu. Thanks so much. Take care. God bless. Hey, thanks for listening. I encourage you to put what you've heard into action. How are you going to be intentional about building a culture of care for both yourself and for others in your church? If what you've heard today was helpful, I would love it if you could write a review. This would help others find the podcast more easily. And if you want to be notified when new episodes go live, make sure you follow. All right, take care.